welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Hey, and welcome to your podcast or mine. I'm Sherry, and on today's episode, I am privileged to be speaking with Mitch Lafon, the creative mind behind Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. How are you today, Mitch? Good. Can you hear me right? All right. I can hear you. Yes. Everything Good. is groovy. Good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm, well, I'm, um, I'm doing great. I mean, I'm you know battling seasonal allergies, but doing great otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that that's a, a trending thing that's going on right now. That's that's happening here too in Florida. I know that you're on <laughs> a little bit further up north than no I am. No further but... north. Yeah, Canada. <laughs> but it's a it's a global issue, the whole allergy thing, but <laughs> I, I digress. So um, yes. let's start with who you are and give a brief description of your show for the people who may not have heard of it, although I think that's pretty much impossible if you follow rock music. Well, the, the, the show is called Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn, and it is a an interview-based show where I interview rock stars. Obviously, sometimes I will interview interview a producer or an engineer or somebody who's behind the scenes, but I would say 99% of the time it is uh, rock stars, whether it's Alice Cooper or Paul Stanley, or uh, today I put up Robbie Krieger of uh, The Doors. Uh, that's what I do, and, and I've gotten it down to where I try to do I used to do two or three guests in episodes, and some of the episodes would end up being two hours, but now I'm down to a nice, comfortable about 30 minutes. Sometimes it goes to about 45 minutes, and it's just sort of a free-flowing conversation with, with the artist. And, you know, obviously when they, they're on the phone because they want to plug something, right? So you, you talk about the new tour, the new album, the new whatever – and then I delve into the history and what makes them tick and this album and that album and that tour, 19-whatever. And so, so that's it. And it, it's, it's, a fun little, it's a fun little show. And, you know, sometimes I expand out. And, you know, I did Bananarama recently, and I got a few people say, well, what does that have to do with rock? Well, you know what? Rock is fun, and that was fun. So I make no apologies for Bananarama. Well, I think if you're a music journalist and coming from experience, I was exposed to a lot of music growing up in the MTV era, and it actually I got a lot of of uh, inspiration visiting Canada because there was so much more music up there that they that was going on, and um, you know that I didn't hear about in the states, and it was really only a few you know, hours away from me. And it's like, wait, why wasn't I exposed to that? So I got a lot of different, um, edu- like an educational background from inspiration from my mom and my sister and just visiting places and, you know, soaking in all of the the music that was out there. So, I mean, I loved everything from Judas Priest to Daryl Hall and John Oates to Depeche Mode to, you know, what to whatever. So, you know, going into the music journalism aspect. I think it's it's good if you're exposed to a wide range of of musical artists. Do you agree with that? 
I, I fully agree, and and I also think given the the age group that I fall in, a lot of us grew up on MTV or Much Music back in the day, and we didn't have remote controls and we didn't have cell phones where you could change every you know you change what you're doing every two seconds. So you would put on the, the channel and then you would sit in the couch, and you'd go, oh, all right, well they're gonna play Madonna, I'll sit through it. And eventually you learn to have an appreciation of the Madonnas and the Duran Durants to go along with the Dio's and the priests and all that. And, you know, also when you look at the popular culture or the movies of the day, you'd hear Breakfast Club or Sixteen Candles and you'd hear Flesh for Lulu or you'd hear – eventually it just becomes part of your makeup. So when somebody says to me, well, you shouldn't interview Bananarama on your show or you shouldn't interview Boy George on your show – I go, well, yeah, I should. You know, uh, rock is not defined by spandex or hair. We're, 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 you know, rock doesn't have to be heavy metal all the time. Rock can be anything to me. And and so, yeah, yeah I think it's great to have a full palette. Well, and plus you're gaining listeners who are, you know, tuning in to, to hear the Bananarama podcast or the – you know, other you I know, different George. kind of genres. And you're also getting your loyal listeners who are the Dio fans who are like, oh, wait, well, Bananarama is kind of cool. So you're exposing two different types of people or two different types of people who are not, I don't want to say pigeonholed, but are boxed in, into one particular music genre into saying, hey, I just listened to that Bananarama show, and that was pretty cool. Why don't I listen to the one that he did with Paul Stanley of Kiss? That might be cool, too, you know? So, you know, that, that's yeah. that's how uh, I see it I as agree. well. So, but it's funny, though. On uh, on the weekend, I was I was at a charity event, a charity concert, and somebody came up and said, he said, oh, you know, you did Bananarama, and... Uh, you're you're going to lose the people that joined in, the people that signed up to hear the poisons and the warrants and all that. They're they're going to tune out when you do shows like that. And I was just like, well, then they'll tune out. What do you want? What do you want me to do? Ultimately, to keep the show going and to keep the show interesting, I have to make myself happy. If I'm doing this show for you and I'm miserable doing it, then I can't be doing it. You know, so right. so you sort of have to. You gotta give me you, you gotta give me the banana ramas once in a while. Now, mind you, I'm not gonna do that every weekend or every month. Uh, you know, the, the show. If you go back to when it was called One on One with Mitch Lafon, I'm, I'm at something like 600 episodes, six or 700 now, because I went from being solo to being podcast one to being Westwood one to being solo. Some of those have sort of dis- disappeared in the ether. Uh, some of them are on the YouTube channel, but, you know, ultimately I've done like maybe seven sort of off-kilter interviews. So, you know, just enjoy, enjoy it. But yeah. it's, a, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun medium and, and it's, it's, it's great being completely in control of, of what I do. You know, when I was with the different uh, providers, lack of a better word, they would say, you need to do one hour a week. You must uh, do this. You must do that. And quite frankly, this summer I did Mitch Marathon Month in July where I put out like 25 episodes in a month, Mm -hmm. which was excessive, but I just wanted to do it. And, um, 
you know, sometimes if you're sick or I, or I can see it as Christmas is coming up in a, in a couple of months, I'll probably not put out a show for a couple of weeks, not because I won't have the content, but because I know people aren't going to be around to listen. So why just throw an episode into the void, you know? So right, independence right. is good. Yeah. Well, in, independence is, is great. I mean, I I used to write for a couple of different Play, you know, avenues and podcasts for different people, and you know the the creative juices kind of stop flowing after a while, especially when they're like, okay, well, we want eight CD reviews from you this week, and we want your podcast to be under two hours. So you know, it's, it, it kind of it's like, okay, wait, <laughs> hold on here, you know, but being independent you're your own boss. So the only one yeah. who's tough on you is yourself. And I think yeah. yourself is your biggest critic. So <laughs> that's how I see it. Yeah, anyway. and, and I'm also my own accountant, you know, when, when the advertising uh, dollars come in and, and it, listen, we're not talking hundreds of thousands, but when it comes in, I'm not splitting it with anybody, which is also important. Um, and, you know, in terms of creativity, you, you mentioned uh, album reviews. I mean, that, that's the one thing that I don't do and I don't want to do and I've been asked to do them. And I just simply refuse because whether or not you like music should not have anything to do whether or not I've told you to like it. If you want to like Thunder, you like Thunder. If you want to like Helix, you like Helix. If you want to like Kiss, you like Kiss. And if I say I don't like it, who cares? Because I don't care what somebody in Rolling Stone magazine says. Kiss is bad. I don't care. So why should you care? So I'm, I'm not a review guy. Right. Right. I I completely understand and agree with that. Being <laughs> being in that um, type of of work myself in the past, it's it's definitely liberating to not have to do it any longer. You know. So <laughs> but. Um, like you mentioned um, before we went on, you don't formally write down questions for interviews. It's kind of like a free-form type of setting for your interviews. And I, I think that's great because it gives you the opportunity to listen to the artist and jump into a question that someone else might not have before. Well, absolutely. Uh, people are always amazed when I say I don't write down questions. Sometimes I do these 45-minute, one-hour interviews. And listen, when, like I said before, when, they, when you're on the phone, it's because a publicist or a record company says, I want to talk to you about the new album, the new tour. So obviously you go into it with your very first question or, or, or you know, it's, it's a, hey, uh, you know, John Bon Jovi, tell me about the new album. And then you listen to what he says, and then from there you can pick out stuff. It's, you know, it's 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 to me it's it's liberating because I've been in media tents where you see that person with ten questions on a piece of paper and you hear them pass their interview before you have a chance at the artist, and the artist will be saying something fantastic and you're like, go down that road, go down that road, and they'll go right, all right, question two, and you're like, oh really? The fuck are you? Do? Sorry, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? Like, like he just revealed something. Go with it. That's that's great. Now, that said, I do my research. You know, every interview has two, three, four hours of research that goes into it where 
I scour everything. I, I go back and I look at old interviews. I, I look at classic interviews. I look at uh, discographies, uh, bios. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I'll, I'll go see what fans are saying about, hey, remember that day in 1975 when so-and-so? And you go, oh, wait, what is that event? You know, see what piques my interest. And, and so I have stuff ready in my head. Yeah. Now, it's not written down, but I, but I have it. I have an arc in my head. I'll go, all right, we talk about the new thing, and then we'll go about, you know, this this moment, and then we'll talk about that band member leaving, and we'll have that hang-up question at the end where you go, probably shouldn't ask this, but I want to ask this, and if it pisses them off, well, at least I've gotten 45 minutes to work with, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I do, and I think you should. I think when you're doing a podcast, you, you, you should listen to your guests, and you can tell the ones that, that have all their questions written down because it sounds very cookie-cutter. It sounds mm-hmm. very choppy, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, like, in my case, when I used to interview musicians, I found that the greatest gift of, like, the interview was a musician who could talk and talk and talk your ear off because it gave you so much rather than the yes or no because I've had certainly my share of those, too. <laughs> I'm not sure about you, but I've had the, the yes or no or two-word answers to your questions because they're just not into it, or you just totally get the gift of, of someone saying, Oh, yeah, let me talk about this, but then I'll talk about 18 other things while I'm at it. <laughs> so I think that's like the greatest gift of the interview. <laughs> it is. And, and you know, I had one yes-no interview uh, years ago with, with George Thurgood. It was my first one with him, and somebody said to me, oh, you're going to hate talking to him. He He's terrible he's arrogant he doesn't give you answers and so I, I went on to his tour bus in the in montreal and i asked him the questions and he started doing exactly that and you know he would give you an answer like a yes answer and, and he sort of give you a smirk and about three minutes in i just went bah. so i stopped the tape and i said i said should i just go home and ask myself the questions and, and fill in whatever answers i want or or are you going <laughs> to give me some answers and he looked at me, and he said, turn the tape back on. And I did. And he gave me 20-minute answers after that. And, and since then, he has called me Montreal Mitch. And, and every time uh, I'm in town or he's in town or we're in a town together, I'm invited to the show. We do interviews. We do uh, you know, pictures that nobody it, – it's become a great thing. We, we talk um, – well, I'm trying to think. A couple of years ago, like this summer, I interviewed him for about half an hour, and it was great. And a couple of years ago, I, I was out in Ottawa, and we actually spoke for an hour before I actually said, you know, we probably should turn the tape on and <laughs> record some of this. And, and you know, so so sometimes I think some of the artists are just testing you to see if you're if you're if you're if they're going to make you sweat. And once you go. Dude, I'm not going to sweat. So we're either going to do this or we're not. They get along. They get on board. But, you know, sometimes an artist has a bad day. You just got to go, okay, we'll get them next time. Yeah, and you chalk it up to that. Because, you know, being in the the music industry, it's not as easy as people think that it is. Um, Just based upon knowing musicians, uh, you know, pretty much my whole life and, you know, the jet lag and not knowing where you are and having to travel in a bus with like 
five other dudes or or you know whatever in like a in like 98 degree weather going across the country like that's that's not cool yeah. all the time you know but it's not um, obvious at all you know I, I and I'm not going to start naming bands but I was just in a band right. in upstate New York and they got to the venue I think at 9 a.m. to have to set up and they were told that day that um, the promoter was not providing any uh, catering. Now, they were in upstate New York where, you know, you can't – there's not a lot of choices. So now they have to set up, and most of them ended up having Starbucks or McDonald's for lunch. So, yeah, you know, I'd be a little grumpy too if, if you're getting to catering and you're expecting something and it's not there. And now they all have to scurry out of the venue and have runners and friends and family head over to – I mean, I literally had to go to Dunkin' Donuts to pick up some, some stuff for, for one of the guys. And it was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I had to do an interview and uh, I've now had some – I had to have my friend stop at Dunkin's to get – I'd be a little annoyed too. So sometimes you have to understand that it's it's not – we all live at the Ritz-Carlton and, and drive in a limo. Sometimes the the road will wear you down and you'll just be annoyed. And if you're on, on the road for a month, you know, those last couple of days, you're like, I want to get home. Stop it. Don't talk to me. You know, mm-hmm. fans don't <laughs> seem to always understand that. Yeah. I mean, I just had um, experienced, uh, they were like on the last three shows, uh, the, the Alarm, Modern English, and Jean Loves Jezebel. And they were doing, they had done something like 37 tour dates in a row. So they were out at, at it for a while. And, you know, like they did like the whole meet and greet thing, and it was awesome. And they gave it their all. But you could tell they were like ready for a breather, you know. <laughs> but, you know, they were cordial to their fans, and they they put on an amazing show, and, you know, it was just like, man, how do you do it? I'd be like Grumpy McGrumperson if I were you, you know, but, you know, I get it. But on on to, uh, like, the podcasting part. Well, before we get into the podcasting part, I know that you love, like, the the staples of, like, rock music, like Kiss and the Motley Crues and the Dio's and the Priests and stuff like that, but who are your favorite, like, newer rock bands that are out th- out there? Newer rock? Uh, huh. I have to say I- I'm not a huge new rock fan, I have, honestly. Uh, the-, the newest thing for me would be Thunder from the 90s. You, you know, uh, Dirty Honey is a really great band. They're great live. Um, Airborne is great live. Rival Sons are, are great live. Um, Slash is great fun live. Technically, that's sort of a new band, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time connecting to, to some of the, of the new bands. Sometimes, the, you know, the syncopation or, or the way they structure songs just doesn't tickle my ear. Lyrically, sometimes it doesn't tickle my ear. And, but, but listen, Dirty Honey. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with them. They they are, or maybe even Bisto Blanco, but Dirty Honey. They they've come out. Uh, they're not doing what Greta Van Fleet's doing. They're not really doing what Rival Sun's doing. They're doing their own thing, and, and they sound great. I saw them at Heavy Montreal in July, 
and they were just a powerful live force. So guy on there, uh, the lead singer is called Mark LaBelle. He sings great. The band performs great. There's a lot of energy. So listen, I'm going to go with Dirty Honey now. They only have an EP out, which is, I think, four songs or five songs. So we need more from them. But yeah, listen, I, I'm I'm classic rock. What can I what can I tell you? Uh, you know, hey, I, I gave up after. That. I gave up after after Nirvana. That 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 I I heard that and I went, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not buying anything anymore. <laughs> you know, you know. So yeah, no, was, uh, Dirty Honey is the answer. F- folks should definitely uh-huh. check them out. Yeah, Good I've checked them out. I can agree with that for sure. Uh, so. As far as hosting or co-hosting, do you do that? Have you tried that before? Sorry. Hello. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Have you oh, Yes, have you have you hosted? My screen said my my screen said microphone muted and I'm like, "No, it's not." <laughs> but okay, there you are. No, uh, you're here. <laughs> so, um do you, do you host solo or do you uh do your show with a co-host from time to time. So, well, I, I've had co-hosts. Uh, I had a regular co-host, Alan Niven, and um, there were some unfortunate circumstances around his health that, that prevented him from, from continuing. So I decided to go solo, and after having done, you know, a couple of months solo, I decided that I'm going to stay solo, just in the sense that to put the podcast together, I would have to, you know, do all the, the publicist and the record company and get the interview set up and then the interview set up. And then you got to do the interview and then you got to edit it. And then then I got to go do the same thing and find the co-host and say, well, we're going to meet at this time. And, and and it was just becoming too much extra work, too much extra stress. Now, like, for example, Robbie Krieger, I did him yesterday. This morning, I happened to have an hour of free time and I just went... I could just do this now. And so I put it up. You know, if I had a co-host, that, that means I would have had to find a co-host and ask if he was available. Are you available? No, you're not available. All right. And it wouldn't have gotten done. So so to be more productive, it's easier to not have a co-host. Now, what I will do on some occasions, and I'm going to do it this week, is I'll have a guest that wants to come on and talk about their album or their tour or something, but it's it's a smaller guest or, 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 you know, and this is going to sound insulting to anybody who who's going to come on the show, but I sort of say to myself, listen, if I do a, a full 20-minute interview with you, it's probably not going to get a lot of, of, of traction or a lot of listeners. So come and do a co-host spot. We'll mention your album, we'll mention your tour, and then we'll talk about whoever the guest is, Kiss or Cinderella or Poison or whatever. And you can offer your opinion on that, and you can sort of get into people's ear, and they'll they'll hear, oh, you know, whatever, Johnny of X Band is talking to me, and I don't know what X Band is, but hey, he's having a great conversation with Mitch, and uh, let me go check out that album. Like, I find that to be more productive for them and, and a better selling point, because if I'm perusing the list of podcasts and I go, oh, Johnny from X-Band is on. Eh, I'm not going to listen to that episode. I'll, I'll go listen to Robbie Krieger. I'll go listen to Paul Stanley. So I, I do do co-host in that situation, and I'm going to do one this week um, mm-hmm. because, you know, it's going to help out, you know? Yeah, sort of how for sure. 
<laughs> and it takes a little bit of the burden off of you. Not much, but just a little, just <laughs> for the sake of nonstop talking. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm fully burdened. That's, that's my biggest question with these interviews. I've always figured that you're tuning in to listen to the interview and, and me going on and on about something. I don't know. I, I, I'm like, really? Do you, do you really want to hear me talk for 10 minutes about, you know, the show I went to last night? I, maybe you do. And maybe it's just a, a, I don't know, a self-esteem issue. But I'm just like, eh, who really wants to hear about me going to see Kiss last night? I mean, really? But I, I do do it. I mean, the last couple of episodes, I've gone on these sort of 10, 12 minute rants about stuff that have, that's been frustrating me in the business. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do it. And then today with Robbie Krieger, I didn't do that. I did three minutes. I was like, Hey, listen, Robbie wants to get on the phone. Here's Robbie. Go listen to Robbie. Enjoy Robbie. Bye-bye. Yes. <laughs> I listened to that, that episode and I, it, I noticed it was shorter, but you know, there's, there's also like the, the stipulations that you get from the musicians or not so much the musicians, but the publicists and, you know, as far as time constraints and stuff like that. So if you're lucky to get 15, 20 minutes with Robbie Krieger, that's amazing. So, so you know. Yeah, and there were a lot of constraints good. with Robbie Krieger. I got a long laundry list of do not ask him about the doors, do not ask him about Jim Morrison, do not ask him about Jim Morrison's death, do not ask, which is fine, you know. So so I I I did what they wanted. Exactly. Because then you could land an interview with whomever else they're doing PR for. So Right. And, that's how and I in see fact, it. tomorrow tomorrow I have two of their artists, uh that publicist artists on the phone. So uh, you know, I don't need them calling in going, uh you were asking about Jim Morrison's death, so tomorrow's interviews we're just gonna skip. Uh, yeah, I don't need to do that. Listen some fans don't seem to understand that there's a bit of a game involved, a little bit of politics. You do this, I do that. You do this, I do that. And I'm fine with that. You know, I, I look at who I've interviewed. I look at what I've done. I would say I'm doing it right. You know, I played the right. game right. So I'm good at yeah. that. <laughs> so I noticed that you have Mitch merch available, basically in the form of, of T-shirts. So have you ever seen your T-shirt out at concerts or just like out and about walking around? Yes, absolutely. I actually have. Um, a lot, How cool is when that? When I went to M, it's very cool. You know, I've I've gone to M3 and I saw a lot of the the M3 festival. I saw a lot of people wearing the uh, the shirts. Um, they do very well. They are they are put together by uh, Global Merchandise, which handles merch for Backstreet Boys, for Judas Priest, for Iron Maiden. The the local rep or the local or the Canadian rep is a friend of mine. He's a local promoter, and we we do a barter. I go in and do interviews for him for his merch video channel, which. I think eventually ends up on YouTube or might just be an, in, in, you know, I go interview Venom or whoever's in town. And every time I do like three or four interviews, he sends me off 50 shirts. And, you know, listen, I've, I've sold a couple hundred. So it's it's doing pretty good. And I've got the Mitch guitar picks now, which are also very kind of cool to have. And yeah, Mitch merch does does well, you know. Loudtracks.com forward slash Mitch, you know. <laughs> they're they're great T-shirts, and and 
and and because they're they're they're, they're global merch, they they are of the same quality of you know the 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 blank or what's the word they call it? I guess they call it the blank. The blanks that that they screen print on are the same blanks that they use for the Judas Priest and Iron Maiden shirts up here. So it's the same quality. It is a quality shirt. It's not one of these. I went to uh, you know Best Buy or or Target or whatever and and printed up you know twenty shitty shirts. It's it's the real deal. So no, it's fun. Um, a lot of folks, not a lot, but some folks. Uh, will look for me at, at a show wearing the shirt and ask to get a picture together. And I think that's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's cute. You know? Yeah. I, I like that. For sure. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So, uh, basically the great debate right now is whether to use music and podcasting. <laughs> yes or no. And from what, I got from doing my research on you. You do not use music in your podcasting. Just uh, and and neither do I. Um, just based upon the the copywriting and the you know, there's this whole like argument of fair use and all of that crap. But um, I, and I get it because if you're doing an interview with an artist, you want to talk about their band and not necessarily play their music because you want people to go out and like either download the music and stream it or go out and buy like the physical copy to listen for themselves. Am I right? Yeah. And and there's a lot of reasons why I don't use it. First of all, uh, I, uh, boy, boy, I'm going to enumerate some of them. I don't want to get into the whole editing of changing somebody's art and, and snipping on me. And, and your song is your song. My show is my show. I, I, I really don't want to mix the two together. Second of all, I use Omni uh, to upload my, um, my podcast. There's also Lipson and stuff. And they have a preset called Google Podcast. And you push, you, you push that button. Well, in fact, in my case, it's, it's pre-programmed into my settings. And so it compresses it so that the voices and everything sort of sounds uniform. And if I'm going to put a song in there, suddenly the song is going to, is going to be Google Podcast. <laughs> and it's going to have that, that compression, and it's going to sound like crap. And so people are going to hear the song, and they're going to go, oh, well, the new Poison sounds like crap. And it's like, well, no, it doesn't sound like crap. It's the podcast that compressed the, the living daylights out of it and made it sound so that's not fair. And then, of course, there's the whole right things. Now, Canadian rights are, are a little more extreme than uh, American rights. And this whole thing of fair use is, is cute, but a lot of podcasters are outside of the spirit of the law. Fair use is I interviewed Gene Simmons and I played a 30-second clip of a song. Okay, I can see that as being an argument for fair use. When you're playing... You know, five minutes of a Gene Simmons interview and the rest of the show is 55 minutes of music. Now you're no longer in fair use. Now you're abusing. Now now you are not paying for the rights. You're not paying for the sync rights, the mechanical rights. You're, you're abusing. And so I just don't want to get into any of that. But ultimately, I want the fan to get the best experience. And hearing music on a podcast that's been podcast compressed you're not going to get the best music, and therefore I'm doing a disservice to the artist, and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Are you still awake? I totally agree. 
and no, and, and plus you don't want to get that that whole big like cease and desist letter in the mail either. So. <laughs> I, I don't want to get the cease and desist, and, and I I will never get the cease and desist. And um, you know, I value my work, and I don't want 500 episodes to suddenly vanish into thin air because. Somebody did enforce a cease and desist or did enforce a, a judgment, and then my entire career is wiped out. I'm not going to do that. It's, right. it's, it's, it's self-preservation. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you started podcasting like in about 2012, 2013. Am I right? Correct. Correct. What motivated you to start podcasting? Well, there was a a, a – KISS podcast that said, hey, or a person that, that's involved with the KISS podcast that said, um, you know, we sh- there's a new medium out there. We, we should get on the train. We should do a show. Uh, I like the interviews, the print interviews you do. Why don't you come try to talk? Did that. Did about 60 episodes of, of that KISS show. And then I thought, well, that's enough KISS talk. Let's, let's go somewhere else and uh, did my own thing. Um, Talking Metal came over to me and said, hey, do you want to bring that to here, bring those skills here? And I said, sure. And then Podcast One reached out and said, do you want to work for us? And then Westwood One reached out and said, do you want to work for us? And I said, yeah. So so basically it was at the insistence of one person saying, hey, I like what you do. Uh, I like your interviews. I think you'd be good doing this. You want to try it. Uh, it, it you know, <laughs> Not to sound defeatist, but I, it wasn't a self-starting thing. It was sort of an invitation of, hey, do you want to come do this show? And I went, oh, okay, why not? And then once I got it and I had a little bit of a name and a little bit of recognition, I was like, well, I should probably keep going and see where I can build this, where I can go with it. Well, some, sometimes you just need a little spark to get the motivation going. And, <laughs> hey, if that was you that really for you, you know, hey, that's great. So, um what kind of equipment do you use to uh, do your shows? Is there anything elaborate, or do you use like the basic stuff, like like a lot of the independent podcasters, or do you go out and buy like the the big heavy duty equipment that you see sometimes? Well, so a little bit of both. Um, for the in-person interviews, I, I use a Shure mic that's uh, directly connected to the iPhone, and, and I think it sounds fine. Uh, for for the interviews, I use a Blue Yeti mic with um, uh, what are they called? What are the uh, headphones called? Um, I forget what the headphones are called. I'll have to look at them in a second, but. No, I, I use a Blue Yeti mic. It was a, uh, a friend of mine who works in the industry said, hey, I've got an extra Blue Yeti. Do you want to use it? And I said, sure. Now, from what I understand, these mics are worth four, five, $600. I didn't pay that, but I use it, and I think it sounds great. Uh, but no, you know, I don't, I don't go into, uh, you know, 18 versions of Pro Tools and a, and a mic stand and, a, and a, this and, a, and a, listen, I do a conversation show. You can hear me. We're good. You know, it doesn't squelch. It doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> so oh, yeah. um, there you go. I just looked at the headphones. They're Audio Technicas. Oh well, that's pretty cool. They're great. They're, they're not like they're you bad. know Sennheisers or you know what, you know whatever. So, but 
that's that's a good well, midline. They they work great. I think yeah, I think Audio Technicas are are a great. Uh, they certainly sound great when I'm listening to music. So no no no, it's 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 not a crappy thing. Uh, the 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 biggest issue I might have is I have to do my interviews through a Skype connection because I don't have a way to record landline calls, so everything has to go through the computer. Sometimes Skype is less than cooperative. Most times it's perfectly cooperative. But that would be the biggest sort of drawback is having to do phoners via Skype. But listen, mm-hmm. it's fine. We all survive. You know, in the show. Yes. And once and once the Google uh, the Google preset uh, compresses it, it sounds fine. Perfect. So as far as uh what type of tips or suggestions would you give to like aspiring interviewers or podcasters looking to to get their start? I mean, I know that you started at a, at a young age interviewing Gene Simmons. So mm-hmm. at a, at eleven, eleven years 11. old, that was a good day. Eleven years old, yeah, a long <laughs> time ago, um, forty years ago. But uh, you know, for for tips, I would definitely, um, I would really focus on branding. You know, if you just call your show, you know, uh, heavy metal talk or, you know, you need to get your name on there. You need to get your face. You need to know that that when they see that name and they see that brand, they associate it with a face and they know uh, what it means and what it is. You know, I, I see a lot of podcasts that are called Talking Rock or Rocking Talk or and you're just like, Okay, but who are these people? Like it's it's all anonymous, right? You you need to have sort of a a kiss a kiss face to your podcast, not just some random thing. Also, you you should try to deliver something a little bit different. You know, try not to be just one of. Um, be unique. Um, my, my thing for being unique, I think, is is to try to not just give you the same rock ones, try to give you a little bit of classic rock, some seventies rock, some eighties, some, some, you know, I'll go back to the Bananarama, just try to get a little, little bit of spice in there. Um, boy, what else can I say? Uh, play the game, you know, learn to play the game. If you, if you are going to do a rock podcast and you want the industry to pat you on the back and help you, don't get on there and say f this, f that, horrible this, horrible that, terrible this. Because if if I'm working for a record company and I'm in the record business and I'm trying to sell something and I've sent you seven releases and you've said six of them suck, well, why, why am I going to send you anymore? I'm, I'm not. I'm just going to say, well, so and so is a is, is a douche. I'm not. I'm not dealing with him. So you know you have to play the game. <laughs> And people are not going to – they're going, oh, it's fake. No, it's not fake. It's, it's, it's being smart. You have to be smart. So, and, and I know people don't like that, but you, ha- you, have, to, you have to play the game. You, know, you want to interview Kiss. If, if uh, Doc says, well, I need you to uh, interview uh, Caleb Johnson who's also – then you go, okay, all right, it's fine. I'll do it. You, know, you, you have to be, you have to be uh, willing to work with people. And you know, the whole goofy – I'm going to make fun of the farewell tour. I'm going to Okay, good. Good for you. You're going to have four listeners and you're not going to work again. Good. That's a good plan. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Oh boy, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So on on your podcast too, you kind of have like a a little uh, like side podcast that has kind of creeped in there a little bit uh, with in the trenches with Ryan Roxy. He's kind of like I don't want to say piggybacking, but kind of piggybacking on uh, oh, in your totally. podcast, and and, that, and that's. Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, he totally is, and 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 that's that's perfectly fine, and that's exactly uh, the concept. Uh, Ryan, boy, a long time ago, somewhere around uh, two thousand one or two thousand two, had a, a, a sort of a little Ryan Roxy podcast, and I remember thinking, "Oh, what the hell is that?" And he's like, "Oh, it's a new feature that Apple has," and and it was a long, really long time ago. And anyway, we, we've always st- stayed in touch and we've always helped each other. And um, he came to me and said, listen, you're on Spotify, you're on Amazon Alexa, you're on Stitcher, you're on TuneIn and Google and, and iHeartRadio. And I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, I've managed to get the show everywhere. And he said, I just don't have the time and energy to build that. It, you know, I'm a touring musician and I just don't have time. And can I do this show? And it's like, well, yeah, of course you can. First of all, if I can turn the Mitch podcast into a Mitch network where I have uh, the rock star from, from Alice Cooper's band or I have a wrestler or I have this doing their own shows on my network, well, that looks good for me. And it helps for them because there's no pressure. You know, if, if, if Ryan signs with Westwood One, they're going to say, we need a show a week. Well, when you're on tour not easy to get a show a week could he do it of course he could you know but it's not easy and uh, to 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 get on apple podcasts that's reasonably simple but for him to get onto spotify and iheart it's not easy so he said can i use your infrastructure and i said yeah absolutely and he does a fantastic fantastic show we we need to work on a on a regular schedule it sort of drops whenever he has a moment and I'm fine with that, but but yeah, no, he's yeah. Call it piggybacking, call it using, call it whatever you want. It, it is it is a two way street, you know. Saying hey, Mitch Lafon is able to sign rock stars to be on his network is good for me, and yeah, my my access to all those networks is good for him. We're we're not to sound rude, but we're sort of both using each other, but it, in a good way, not in a not in a negative way. And I'm fine. That's that's great. Please, more rock stars listening, sign up. Let's let's do another ten shows. <laughs> then I don't have to do anything. That'd be even better. Right. <laughs> you could just manage them from afar. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that that would be great with me. I'll just sit back. You know, as long as I get to be invited to the shows, I'm good. You know, as long as. As long as I get to hear the music beforehand and and I get to go to the shows, hey, let 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 somebody else do all the hard work. That's fine. That's fine with me. And listen, it helped me this summer. There were there were a couple of days or a couple of times where I was gone for for an extended period, of basically touring, and I would have a, a Ryan show to drop in there, and it's just like, oh, fine, good. You know, it's sent to me all made. He he him and his team get it all done just sends me the file i just upload it and the network has content going so people that are fans have something to listen to because he's talking to phil x of of uh bon jovi or he's talking to steve brown who played with def leppard or he's talking it's in the same vein as everybody's happy 
fans are happy that they have yeah. new content. I'm happy that I didn't, you know, just because you have to stay constant. That that's a, you're talking about tips and advice. You have to stay. If you're going to do this, you need to have a regular schedule. And unfortunately, once a month ain't good enough. You really need to be at least once every two weeks and hopefully on the same day. You know, once a month is 12 episodes. You're not going to create a fan base with 12 episodes. You're, you're just not. So you got to remain constant. Yeah. And sometimes, like I know, life gets in the way, and especially for you, it got in the way, you know, oh, a while ago. I mean, I read, I read an article that um, Psychology Today put out regarding – you know, your issues that you had with, with AFib. And I was like, wow, you know, even someone with, you know, all the complications that you did can still do it. And it's just mind blowing. And, and, you know, I'm also thankful that, that you uh, did that article. I mean, it came out in 2015, but I read it and, and I was like, you know, to shine a light on a topic like that, but also like the mental aspect of it too, because you're, you're getting phone calls, you're getting emails, you're getting, you know, like, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And, you know, sometimes you want to say yes to everything, but in reality you can't, you know, because there's something that, that gets in the way, whether it's a a kid getting sick or, um, you know, (laughs) you're in a hospital or, you know, your car's battery is out and you're like 10 miles away from home, you can't do the interview, you know? (laughs) So like, I, I really like appreciated that, that interview that you did to shine, shine a light and, and, you know, also saying like, Hey, you know, journalists are real people too. Like we, you know, we live for the interview, but sometimes we can't do it all the time either. So yeah, we're, we're super human. No, listen, the, the, so a couple of things on that. First of all, uh, right now I'm dealing with something that, that, that's extreme, and yet I'm here I am tonight, and, and I'm doing my shows. I've cut back the interviews to two a week rather than two, three, or four. Uh, my dad's on his deathbed. He, he, on September 11th, he, he turns 89. I got a note this afternoon. Well, about two weeks ago, they said you should come to the home and say goodbye. Today we got he's bedridden. He doesn't open his eyes anymore. So, you know... It's it's tough, but at the same time, part of um, still functioning is still doing what you do and and keeping a focus. And I don't mean that uh, that, that it doesn't affect you, but you know, listen. Th- this week I'm doing two interviews. That's it, and then I, I focus on on that. Uh, the heart thing. I had uh, two surgeries for for um, what do you call them? Ablations, two heart ablations. Uh, and I would like to point out, I did not miss a single episode. I, I had pre-taped a few ahead of time, knowing that things might be difficult, and I still posted them. I still got them up because it's. it's I, I think it helps in recovery and it helps in in uh, mental things if you stay focused and stay functional and you you create a sense of purpose. It's easier to get through what you're going through. So you know. And this is for me, and, and maybe others won't agree, or maybe others will go, hey, that's a good thing. But with the AFib, I thought, you know what? Lying in bed, feeling sorry for myself is not going to help anyone. 
So yes, I'm going to stay home because I shouldn't be running around, uh, you know, in traffic and stuff. But I can certainly get on the computer and upload a show. You know, I can go and and worse comes to worse, I can hit the upload button and crawl back into bed. Now that's not what happened. I got I managed to sit here and I managed to get them done. And you know, same thing with with my father right now. Um, theoretically, there's nothing I can do. You know, uh, he has he has dementia. We're 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 getting towards the end. There is no miracle cure. There's nothing. There's nothing to to do. He's he's two and a half hours away from me, so it, it's um, not it's not possible or feasible to drive out. You know, two hours there and two hours back every night. It's not feasible. So, doing the show, uh, celebrating life is what keeps it moving forward. And that's, that's, you know, at least that's how I deal with it. Is it the right way? I don't know. It's the Mitch way and it works for me. Yeah. It's whatever way that, that you want to do it. Because I mean, I firmly believe in that too, just um, based upon my circumstances. Also, I, as someone hit me head on in 2011 and I've had subsequent, like, 16 surgeries following that. And I found, like, after a surgery, if I was being creative, it definitely helped my recovery go faster. Uh, and I had focus while, you know, other times I would just be there and sit there and do nothing. And it's like, well, this sucks, you know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. You know. sitting around feeling sorry for yourself, just it doesn't it, – it's not constructive. It's really not your your recovery of anything is always faster when you you feel like you're important and, and there's there's something going on. When you have something to wake up for in the morning, it it just you know even when you have a, a regular common cold, you go all right. I just got to get up. I got to get the kids to school. I go. To me, that that I get over colds faster. I think when when I think that way. So. You know, and and hopefully you're doing better now. I didn't know you had an uh, an accident, but hopefully it's it's improved. Well, I, hey, you know, it's it's uh, it's well, I can't say it's getting there because I seem to have one like every between one and like four every year. But um, <laughs> you know, I I like going to, into a surgery for me. It's just like another day. Like that. That's. <laughs> that's how I see it now, you know. It's like, oh, hey, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like, <laughs> out of out of touch for a couple of hours. And hey, when I wake up, I'll get back to doing what I'm doing. But you know, uh, it, it's all good. I'm alive, you know. Hey, you know, let's yeah. do something fun. Well, you certainly instead, sound you know? positive. Well, you sound <laughs> you positive. So yeah, yeah, you, you have, have to. to because the other side is not good at all. And I've been there too, you know. I've been on the other oh. side of it as well, and you know I definitely prefer prefer this side. So, um, oh, I anyway, yeah. Too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but yeah, I I mean to to get uh, you know things going a little bit further with uh, the interview with you. I mean, I just wanted to to thank you so much, and you know for coming on and, you know, talking to me about your experiences and stuff like that. I mean, I know that you have a, a great, like, social media uh, outreach, too, with your fans and, and with the artists and stuff like that, too. I mean, 
just seeing that. So, like, if if someone wanted to shoot a, a message say, to say, like, hey, I really liked your show, like, how can they find you? I mean, I'm sure you're, you have, like, all the, the social media things going. I do. Uh, and it was there was one rock star who, who I asked that question to, and he said, well, the easiest thing is just Google, you know, just Google my name. So, yeah, just Google Mitch LaFawn, but no, uh, you know, at Mitch LaFawn on Twitter, at Mitch underscore LaFawn on Instagram, uh, Facebook, there's a private one, which is Mitch LaFawn, which unfortunately has 5,000 friends, but maybe I'll annoy somebody and and I'll have a spot or two open up, who knows. Uh, and then there's the Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn Facebook page. And ultimately, if you just, honestly, if you just Google it, you can find me, but it's, you know, I answer everything on Facebook and on and on Twitter and and even on Instagram, which I'm not very good at checking their messages on Instagram. But I, it, it's all me, uh, which is which is interesting because every so often somebody will write on Twitter and say, "Hey, do you have an email? I'd like to ask you something." It's like, well, who do you think's answering this? I'm like, <laughs> just just ask now. I'm here. Hello. But I always find that cute. You know, can I have your email so I can write you? It's like. You just wrote me, but yeah, it's 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 all me, and uh, uh, it's one of those. Um, it's it's a funny inconvenience because uh, years ago, obviously nobody wrote me, and now I get oodles of messages uh, every day. You know, uh, in, in the hundreds, and uh, I'd love to write back paragraphs, but sometimes it's it's, it's going to have to be just a little bit above the the yes no kind of answers, but. It's a good problem to have. I'd, I'd rather not be ignored, so so I'll just deal with it and I'll answer everybody. And sometimes it's going to be just a sentence, but that's what I, you know. At least it's me. I'm here. I'm answering. <laughs> so uh, recently, you uh, posted the interview with Gene Simmons that you, we mentioned uh, just a little bit ago that you uh, did with him when you were 11 years old, and then another one uh, with him in 2017. That must have been kind yeah, of first... surreal to listen to them back to back. Yeah, it was. It, it was interesting to to post my first ever interview with well with anybody, but with Gene, and post what is currently my last ever interview with Gene. It was uh, it was an interesting guy, the dichotomy, and you know I I have to say I milk the 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 11-year-old interview quite a bit. I've posted it on YouTube and I've posted it on other shows or other episodes. Uh, you know, sort of every time June 9th rolls around, which is the, the anniversary of that interview, I, I kind of like to just throw it back out there generally. But it's, it's uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to hear to hear my own voice. Pardon me, when I was 11 years old because, it, you know, I sounded like a young girl. You know, and, uh, and but 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 I did think that the questions were pretty smart, especially for an 11 year old. So and to not be intimidated by your hero. But of course, uh, Gene wasn't in makeup. So kind of wondering if that sort of humanizing of Gene and taking him away from the demon sort of made it easier because had he shown up in the makeup and the outfit, you know, the dynasty outfit or the unmasked outfit, maybe I would have been more like, Oh, Oh, but you know, he just looked like your uncle. Right. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe I should be more starstruck than I am. I, uh, I always look at, at artists as just people. They're they're just me. They're just you, except they hold a guitar. You know. Yeah, they they are. They are just people. I found that if you speak to them in a normal fashion, instead of like being gobstruck, which you know. I do sometimes, you know, I talk to them and then the day after I'm like, whoa, I just talked to so-and-so, you know, I just talked to, to Steve Perry or I just met, you know, John Bon Jovi, like on the street, you know, like, you know, uh, the next day I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool, you know, but I won't be like, you know, super fan stalker over it either, you know. <laughs> Because they, they yeah. are real people, you know, and if you if you speak to them like a normal human being, and and that I think that seems to go for for anyone like a, an author or a doctor or you know anyone really, if if you just speak to them like a human being, then it it tends to uh, work a lot better yeah. than like the the Chris Farley, you know, interview, you know, with Paul McCartney or, you know, remember when, remember when, <laughs> those kind of yeah. interviews. No, so. I, I, I talk to them like I would talk to anybody else. And I think that's the, um, that's the charm, I think, in what I do, because uh, the, con- the, the comment I get a lot is that I don't do interviews, I do conversations. And I, I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. You know, a, a lot of fans will write in and say, it really sounds like you're just talking to your best friend or you're just talking to your uncle. Or you're just talking to your dad. And, and so I like that. I like that sort of convivial kind of, of, of demeanor. And, and yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe I should get starstruck, but I don't. I mean, the only one that I was sort of nervous with was Paul Stanley. And, and I heard maybe mistakenly that for some reason he didn't like me or something like that. And I thought, Oh, okay, well, uh, now, I didn't get that sense. I thought that interview went great, and I've met him since, and I've I've not gotten that. So maybe I got some faulty information. But that that one had sort of put a little a little um, you know bug in my ear, and I was like, uh oh, maybe I be careful. It turns out I didn't have to uh-huh. be careful. It was a great interview, and he was great. You know. Right, right. So coming up, you have uh, Tom Kiefer uh, on Saturday. Am I right? Well. Maybe. Uh, I have uh, an interview with Tom Kiefer tomorrow scheduled. Um, if he phones in, it, it will uh, it will go up on Saturday. Uh, I have had instances where, where uh, interviews have been scheduled and the artist doesn't phone in. I'm not necessarily talking about Tom, but yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, Tom will phone on schedule tomorrow at 3 o'clock Eastern. And by 3.30, we'll have a great half-hour conversation about his new album and the new tour and all kinds of other stuff that will come to my head as I'm doing it. And I will have it up Saturday. And if all goes well on Thursday, I will have comedian Don Jameson as the co-host for that episode talking about his tour with um, – not Faster Pussycat – with um, Nashville Pussy and – um uh, his take on Cinderella. So Saturday's episode should be a doozy. And then we'll do Mountains Corky Lane on uh, Sunday. Awesome. You know? Yeah. So, so you, get, any, you get some any, 80s and some 70s. Hey, looking forward to yeah. that. 
looking forward to that. So, uh, as you know, as we mentioned before, with uh, your social media, also if people want to find your podcast, all they really need to do is Google it, and they can find you basically on any platform: iTunes, Spotify, all of them. Google yeah, Play. Yeah. I'm on some incredible platforms that I've never even heard of. Uh, uh, you know, so I'm on all the, the those majors, the uh, the, the Spotify's, the Apple's, the iHeartRadio, and then uh, every so often I'll get a, a Google alert, and uh, I'm on Overcast, I'm on Castbox, I'm on Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Podtoppin in in Sweden, uh, Anchor FM. Basically, if it's a podcast provider, you should be able to find me. And you know, listen, that's that's a good reason why Ryan Roxy came and said, "Can I can I be on your infrastructure?" Because it's far-reaching, and that's important. You know, to to be on Podtoppen in Sweden or Castbox in the states or Spotify, um, the aggregate listenership is 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 good and grand. And I'm thankful for that. So thank you for everybody who listens, and thank you for all those different providers that thought, well, we'll add this to our roster. Why not? Because um, it all helps. It all helps. So any parting messages to the listeners out there? Yeah, sure, please. Please listen to me and uh, tell everyone uh, that it's the best podcast ever. <laughs> tell them that now. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, just you know, tune in, um, give it a shot. If you don't like the episode, just let it run so that my my listen minutes go up. <laughs> Why not? Let's skew, <laughs> let's skew the uh, let's let's skew the uh, skew the analytics. Let's skew the analytics, folks. No, but uh, enjoy it. If you like uh, rock and roll, you will like these interviews. They're not just sort of 10 random questions. They they really are about trying to understand who the person is and, and what makes them tick. It's it's not just A leads to B, B leads to C. They really do end up telling stories and telling tales. And, you know, if, if you're going to listen, you really should listen to the whole thing because it really sort of uh, – there's an arc uh, to the interviews, and, and, and they're, they're, they're best – taken complete and uh and thank you thank you for listening thank you for for caring and thank you for you for caring you know it's it, it's it's interesting to me that people care um and it's nice it's a nice feeling oh great thank you so much mitch lafon for coming on to your podcast or mine i appreciate it very very much yes and, and thank you for 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 thinking of me and and having me and and um uh, Merci, as we say in Montreal. Thank you. Well, that'll do it for another episode of Your Podcast or Mine. And I'll be posting new episodes every week. <laughs>